All right. Well, y'all, I didn't tell you in advance. I didn't want you to leave, but Brother Charles had some uh, special meetings at Mason Creek and uh, some special events, and so looks like you're stuck with me this morning. <clears throat> like it or not, here we are. Oh, my, y'all are sweet. I know, see, I know the Cowboys are playing, and you think you get out early if I'm preaching, right? We will see, we will see. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and I want you to begin to, and before I say it, wasn't that music good this morning? My goodness, <clears throat> every bit of it was outstanding, looking forward to tonight, so good, excited about that. I want you to begin to think about just the fact that a baby changes everything. Uh, it's, somebody has a newborn and they're saying amen, glory, hallelujah, because it is so true, a baby, amen, brother, a baby changes everything. There used to be a time in, in our life when our uh, schedule was run by clocks and watches, but now it's run by diapers, bottles, and naps. You ask anybody that has young ones in the house, you don't do anything at 2 o'clock because 2 o'clock is nap time. If you try to have anything at the church at 2 o'clock, the young folks with young children will not come because you do not get in the way of nap time. You just don't do it. We will look at our, our day on, say, a Saturday, and we need to go to town, and we will schedule the day based on naps and bottles. And so we'll go to Target, and we'll be sure. You might see us running through. We don't make eye contact. We don't shake hands. We run through because we've got to get home for Nap time. Because if you miss nap time, oh my, the whole day is terrible. So you make sure you get nap time. I was thinking this week about the days before children. I remember before we had kids, we would, we would watch the show 24. Anybody ever watch a little bit of that with Jack Bauer? Saving the world. I mean, it was just, but we wouldn't watch it week by week. We'd wait till it came out on DVD. And we would take a Saturday, and we would watch the whole season in one day. I can't remember the last time I watched one show in a day, but I remember <laughs> eight, nine years ago, we could take a whole Saturday, but things have surely changed. And as we get to the Christmas season, we realize that over 2,000 years ago, a baby was born, and he changed the course of human history forever. And the world will never be the same since this baby was born. And so Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look at the journey of the wise men. And we're going to look at four, four ways that we can be wise. Four ways that we can be wise as we approach the baby in the manger. Four ways that we can be wise as we approach the Messiah. Now let me just tell you up front, we don't know a lot about the wise men. We know that they came from the east. Uh, some believe they were astrologers. Some believe they were interpreters of dreams. From the Old Testament, we believe they were kings. And so they make this journey to find this new baby. So let's read our text together. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Stand with me, if you would, just in honor, because this is the Word of God, fully inspired, without error. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Lord, I ask that you will be with us in the next few moments. Lord, I pray you will challenge us, you will change us. Lord, we will leave this place not the same. I pray you will empty me of me, God, and you will speak through me and use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Four things. The first thing I want you to notice is that wise guys are focused. Wise guys are focused. If you're taking notes, write that down. Wise guys are focused. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. Now it's interesting because if you remember back in Luke, the shepherds received word from angels that the king had been born. But when we get to the wise men, they don't get an angelic host who comes and says the king has been born. And so the question is, how did they know? How did they know that the Messiah was born? They did not open up the Longview News Journal and find a birth announcement. They did not log into Facebook and see a picture of the new baby that was being liked and loved and shared all across social media. They knew because they went out as they always had done, and they looked up into the sky. And as they looked up into the sky, they noticed a star rising that was not there the night before. They were watching for this star. They were focused on this star. They were looking for the Messiah that was to come. But I want you to understand that the star was not just visible to the wise men. Anybody could look to the sky and see the star. But but the wise men, they saw it and they knew what it meant. They knew from Isaiah that there would be one who would be born of a virgin. They knew that there was one who was coming who would be a wonderful, mighty counselor. They knew from Isaiah that he would would bear our griefs and he would carry our sorrows, that he would be pierced for our transgressions and for our iniquities, and he would heal us 
They knew from numbers that a, a star would rise and that pointed to the Messiah. And so they were focused on the coming king. But for the majority of the world, the star had risen and yet they went on with their day-to-day lives as they always had. And they missed it. Why? I don't know. Maybe they were too into their, their tablets and they were looking down too much. Maybe the stock market had been shaky. And for the last two weeks, they lost four or five points out of their portfolio. And so they were really anxious about it. Maybe the Cowboys had won the last five games and they were playing the Colts. Somebody told me 11-15. Are they playing 11-15? I think he was trying to get me to preach fast, but I don't think that's going to work, Sean. <laughs> But maybe the Cowboys were playing. They wanted to go watch the Cowboys. I don't know what it is, but we see that the the star rises, and for the majority of the world, they go on like normal. They go on like normal because they were not focused. They were not searching for the Messiah, and they missed Jesus. Here it is. Here is the one who has come to offer the bread of life. Here's the one who has come to offer the living water, to offer forgiveness, to offer hope to the hopeless. The one who has come to offer abundant life. And yet for many, they go on just like nothing happened. And I wonder if that could be said of us this morning. Here we are, it's Christmas season. It should be all about Jesus. But let me just tell you from my life and my experience Right now, it's a busy time of the year. We've got a lot going on, but there's not a whole lot about Jesus. In our house, we have Santa Claus coming, and we're excited about that. And we've got uh, an elf on the shelf. Anybody got one of those guys in your house? We got this little guy, and his name is Elfie. Some of you know I'm talking about, some of you don't. But he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he causes all sorts of chaos. And then we wake up and go find what he did in the night. And then we've got Christmas trees, and we've got lights, and we've got decorations, and we've got gifts, and we've got parties. But what about Jesus? Where where is Jesus in the mix of all this Christmas tradition? Where's the focus on Jesus in your life, in your family, in your day-to-day activities? One of the pertinent messages of the New Testament is to be on guard, to be focused, to be watching for the Messiah, to be watching for the one who is to come. I'm afraid that to many of us, Jesus is just like Santa Claus to us. It's not about Jesus. It's just about what Jesus brings to us. It's not about Jesus. It's about the gifts that he brings I've shared this with some of you, but several years ago, I ordered me a new, I love all these stringed instruments up here, but I ordered me a new guitar. And my guitar was to be delivered on Christmas Eve by 11.30. I was so excited. My guitar was coming. I woke up that morning like a kid, you know, Santa Claus is coming. And I went and I sat on the couch by the window and I was looking out the window waiting for UPS to come. Waiting on that brown truck, Dane. 10 o'clock came no truck. 10.30 came, no truck. 11 o'clock came, no truck. 11.15, I saw the big brown truck on the road. He turned in our driveway, and I was out the door. 
I was out the door. I ran, and I, I met the truck. Before he could get it in park, I was standing right outside the door. And he goes to the back, and he, he grabs that big box, and he comes out, and he hands it to me. I sign, and uh, I take it, and I go inside. I open it up. Oh, I was so excited. You know what I wasn't excited about? I was not excited about the UPS driver. I really wasn't too concerned about the UPS driver. I just wanted what the UPS driver was bringing to me. It wasn't about the driver. It was about the gift. See, if we're not careful, we look at, at Jesus and he's the UPS driver. Or he is the Santa Claus. But I want you to understand that Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is the best. Jesus is the one that we live for. It's not just so your life will be easy or that you will be prosperous or that you will be healthy. That's not it. We are worshiping Jesus because he is the gift. And when he was born in that manger many, many years ago, it was for you and it was for me. Hebrews 12, it says this, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Wise guys are focused. Remember Peter when he was in the boat and he got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Remember what happened though? When did he get in trouble? When he took his eyes, when he lost his focus, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink. See, I'm convinced in our lives, if we want our lives to count, we've got to be focused on Jesus. And if we're not, we're going to begin to sink. If we're not focused on Jesus, then our life will not count. If we're not focused on Jesus, then we will waste our lives. And so, number one, we see that the wise men are focused. Number two, we see the wise men are faithful. They're focused, and number two, they are faithful. What would prompt someone to leave the comfort of their home to go on a dangerous journey? They're looking for something. They say, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Vernon, just like you said, it's not a baby who will be a king. It's a king who is a baby. And they are, they are searching in faith. They knew by the star that he was real. They knew that he was alive. And so now they're willing to go on this, this risky journey to find him. And can you imagine the reaction of the neighbors? Neighbor comes up and says, hey, I see you've got some bags out by the camel. Okay. You going on a trip? Well, yeah, we're going on a trip. Yep. Where are you headed? Well, we really don't know where we're headed. How long are you going to be going? Well, we're really not sure how long we're going to be going. How many miles are you traveling? Well, we really don't know how many miles we're traveling either. Can you imagine the neighbor walking off? Well, for a wise guy, you sure don't seem very wise. <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense, does it? But the neighbors must have said the same thing to Abram when God told Abram to leave his home and his, his kindred. And the Bible says he did it. They must have said, man, this guy is crazy. Must have said the same thing to Noah. When Noah is out, he's chopping down trees, he's swinging hammers, and they come up and they say, Noah, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, I'm building a, a boat, an ark. And they say, Noah, have you seen the weather channel? There is no rain coming. 
And Noah says, well, God told me to build the ark. I'm trusting God, and so I'm going to complete my ark. They must have said the same thing to Peter and Andrew and James and John when they went into the office and they said, guys, i got to tell you something. We're not going to fish for fish any longer. We're going to fish for, um, what did the guy say? Fish for men. We're going to become fishers of men. And they said, fish for men? What does that mean? What kind of hook do you use on a man? And he said, well, I'm not real sure, but Jesus said that's what we're going to be, and so that's what we're going to be. And in each of these, you've got to ask the question, are these guys nuts? Are these guys crazy? Have these guys lost it? Are these guys insane? No, they're not nuts. They're not crazy. They haven't lost it. They're not insane. These are men of faith. Very simply, they are men of faith. You see, Hebrews eleven six. It says this, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Listen, if you don't get anything else, get this, this morning. Without faith, you will not please God. Everybody got it? Without faith, you will not please God. I'm not saying you might not please God. I'm not saying it's possible you might, could please God. I'm saying if there's no faith in your life, you will not please God. God's journey always involves faith. Faith is a part of the journey of God. Where there is no faith, there is no power, there is no joy, and there's no intimacy with God. Where there's no faith, there's no supernatural miracles, there's no reward, and ultimately, there is no pleasing God. Without faith, all you end up with is hopeless religion. See, the problem is we can do all of our religion and have no faith. We can run through many of our programs and have no faith. But we will never please God without faith. So I just wonder, what in your life demands faith? What in our church demands faith? I mean, you can be a good person. You can be a a pastor, a teacher, seeing all these things, but still have no faith. And our Bibles Faith means that I'm going to do what doesn't make sense because God said to do it and I trust God. Faith means that I'm going to get outside of my comfort zone even though it doesn't make sense to the world around me and maybe it doesn't even make sense to me. But I trust God. He said to do it and so I'm going to do it. And you step out and you depend upon God. You think about it, you think of guys like Peter, when he, when he stepped out of the boat. What happens if God doesn't show up? He falls right through the water, doesn't he? You think of Esther, she stepped out in faith, and if God didn't show up, she was going to die at the hands of the king. You think of David, if God didn't show up, he was going to lose it to the giant. You think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if God didn't show up, they were going to be burnt in the fire. You think of Daniel, if God didn't show up, he was going to be lunch to the lions. You think of the Israelites, if God didn't show up, they were going to drown in the Red Sea. And in each case, not only did God show up, but God showed off. And the reason is because we have men and women who step out in faith and they say, this doesn't make sense, but I trust God. Do you trust God in your life? 
Is there a way that you're stepping out and you're seeking God and you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your plan for my life? And when you get that word, you just do it. You know, when you look at the Gospels, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find Jesus gets upset with his disciples most often when they lack faith. Oh, you have little faith. Don't you trust me? Look, look, I was with you yesterday. I've been with you your whole life. Do you think I'm going to abandon you now? You don't trust me? I know what I'm calling you to do seems big and you don't get it, but do you not trust me? And as a church, what are we doing right now that demands faith? I think what can happen is we get, we get larger and we get more people and we get more buildings and we get more money and we get more staff. And it, it could be that the larger we get, the harder it is to live by faith. But that's a shame. And we have seen God do great things. We know that he will do great things if we step out in faith, if we move in faith. Hebrews 10, 38, it says this, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Because this is what our ancestors were commended for. You realize the wise men could have traveled over a thousand miles. The journey could have taken around two years. But they kept going. Why did they keep going? Because they believed. Because they, they had faith. We got to believe. We got to have faith. We got to realize that God has a plan for our lives. So they were focused, they were faithful. Sean, don't worry, the next two are quicker, I promise. Number three, wise guys fall down. Okay, we got the F's going right here. They were focused, they were faithful. And number three, the wise guys fall down. Look at verse two. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they, they worshipped him. They opened their treasures. They offered him the gifts. The reason they came was to worship. The reason they made the journey, the reason they made the trip was because it was all about this king in a manger, it was not about their journey. It was not about their trip. It was not about their hardship. It was not about their life. It was all about the baby in the manger. They came to worship. They came to ascribe worth to him. They came and they fell down below him. They realized that they are nothing and he is everything. And so they were happy to travel and to come and worship. You know what it wasn't? It wasn't an obligation. It wasn't one of those things that, well, it's, it's Sunday morning. I guess I better go to the church. There was, there was a joy. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I can go and find this newborn king and I can fall down before him and I can worship. And, and they brought gifts. They, got, they brought gold, which is the gift for a king. They got frankincense. I, I remember... The boys were wise men in a, a play a, years, a few years ago, and I asked Mason, I said, Mason, you have a gift? What one? 
He said, Daddy, I have the gift of Frankenstein. I said, oh, okay. Well, what do you do with Frankenstein? I don't know, but it's a good gift. Frankincense, it's the gift of deity. Myrrh is the gift to anoint the dead because Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. I want you to see that worship always involves sacrifice. You know when worship is used for the first time in the Bible? First time it's used is when, back in Genesis, when Abraham is taking his son Isaac to go and sacrifice him. You know what he says? He says, we're going to go and we're going to worship. Worship was a, a sacrifice. Worship is, is more than a song. It's more than a, a part of a service. Worship is what happens in our life. And then we come on Sunday and an overflow of our heart of worship comes the songs and comes the praises. It's because our life is built around the understanding that, God, you are everything and I am nothing. And I'm so excited to come into your presence and to sing about how good you are. Romans 12, it says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your body as a living sacrifice. That's how you worship? You want to worship God this week? Go throughout your week and deny yourself and follow him. That's how you worship. You want to worship God this week? Go throughout the week and find the things that you want to do in the flesh, but instead do something that honors God. Find a way to serve someone else. Find a way to bless someone else. Find a way to talk about how good God is. That's how you worship. And then you come back and we worship corporately together. And then we go throughout the week and we do the same thing again. What does God want? He wants all of you. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's everything that you are right there. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. So the wise guys, they come focused, they come faithful, they come falling down, and lastly, they come changed. I'm sorry, you're looking for an F and I could not, the alliteration just, it could not keep going. I spent an hour trying to find the F, I mean the word that started with an F, and I, just, I couldn't, I'm sorry. All right, the wise guys, the wise guys were changed. We've got to keep going on that one, my goodness. Okay, look at, uh, look at verse 12. It says, in being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, now I understand that they, were, they had this dream and, and they departed another way so that Herod could not kill Jesus. But I want you to notice that they met Jesus and there was change. When we meet Jesus, there's going to be a change in our life. Not, not some of the time, but all the time there will be a change. When we look in the Bible and we see men and women meet God, they're always changed. Jacob met God and he never walked the same the rest of his life. Isaiah met God and he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Job met God and his life was changed. When one truly meets the Lord, their life can never be the same. 
And so this Christmas season, we, we come together and we begin to think about how do we approach this baby in the manger? How, how do we come? We come focused. Maybe there's some tradition that needs to change so that you can realize what's really important, to focus on Jesus. We come faithful. We come with faith, realizing that the Lord wants to do something great that we can't even begin to comprehend. I believe God wants to do something so great through this church, so, so much that we can't even begin to imagine it, but it's going to take faith. It's going to take stepping out. We come and we, we, we worship, we fall down, realizing how great he is. And all of our pride and our arrogance goes away because we realize that we are nothing. And then because of that, we're changed. We're changed forevermore. And, and I realize that that is not natural. The natural thing to do is to finish on through life and to focus on all the things in the world that are so important to us. But that's not biblical. I've used this before, but I want you to imagine, okay? Kyle, Kyle hooked me up and got me this cable, okay? I want you to imagine this cable, okay? And it just keeps on going and going for all eternity. You can't see the end of it. I mean, it just, it just keeps on going and it keeps on going and it, it just, it keeps on going, okay? And I want you to imagine this little silver part right here, and this silver part, this is your life. Maybe it's 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. But this is, this is your life on earth. For many of us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to live all for this little spot right here. Everything about my life is for this 70, 80, 90 years. I want to make a lot of money for this life. I want to have lots of this, lots of this, hobbies, relationships. And I'm pouring all of my energy, everything I am, I'm pouring it into this little spot. My focus is totally right here in the physical life. But you know that baby was born so that we can have an eternal life? Eternal life that, that never ends, that, that, that never quits? And there's, there's always more, and there's life abundant. There's no sickness. There's no health problems. There's no disease. It's glorious. We're with Jesus for all of eternity. That's why that baby was born, so that we can have all of, all of this that just keeps on going. But if we're not careful, our entire focus will be right here. And if that's true of our life, then we're foolish, if all of our energy is focused right here and we forget about all that's to come, all the eternity, that we have, have loved ones and family members who are lost, that we have ones that we've not forgiven, that we have, we have all this other stuff that's, that's coming because of the baby in the manger. And when we forget about all that and we focus right here, then we're foolish. And so the question is, there was a baby that was born in a manger, and he changed the world forever. How has he changed your life? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. And I don't know what kind of decision you need to make. That's really up to the Lord to lead you. That's not my job. Maybe in your life, you've never accepted that king. You've never come to salvation. And maybe the Holy Spirit is, is pulling at you this morning. 
to be saved. I want to invite you. I want to encourage you to come, come talk with us at the front. We'd love to counsel with you. We'd love to lead you into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you look at your life and you know that you're saved, but as you look at your life, you realize that your focus just has not been what it should be. You've been caught up with the things of life. And so maybe the Lord's challenged you and you need to just, just pray, maybe where you are, maybe an altar, and you need to say, Lord, I, I'm going to change it. I'm going to put my focus where my focus needs to be. Maybe you look at your life and you realize that you have not been living by faith. You've got everything planned to the minute. You've got your checklist and your to-do list. And if you're honest, you're not leaving any room for God. And so the Lord's challenged you this morning to be obedient to where he's calling you. Maybe you're looking for a church that loves the Lord and a church that sees great things in the future. We'd love to have you here with us. Whatever God's leading you to do, I pray you'll be obedient. And I pray you'll answer his call. Lord, we thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, thank you for your word, how it speaks to us. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be born in the manger and to leave the glories of heaven all because of such great love for us. Lord, may we never get over that. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with